0: God is good. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this great day. Thank you for this time together as we gather to hear your word. We're so thankful that we live in in a great nation where there's liberty to preach the word, Lord, and we're going to preach the word in season and out of season. We're going to preach it all the time. And as we bring the word, we believe that signs follow those that believe it. We expect awesome things even today that as people walked in today, they won't be the same when they walk out because of the increase that your word brings them in their life. And I believe that, we stand for that, we give you all praise, and everybody said amen, amen. and amen. Well, last week we started a new series that i um, doing throughout the month of December, and the uh, title of my... Message is the, the source of all fear. The source of all fear. The, the, you, you know, when we, when we look at something, you can talk about a specific thing. You can talk about a title of something. You can say, well, we're going to talk about fear today. And uh, you can address a lot of the issues of fear, but I, I want to... In this series, I want to get to the root of fear. I want to get to the root of why fear is there and why people fear and why people are afraid and what to do with the fears that we experience in life and how to get rid of it because I don't believe even a little bit of fear is good. I I don't. The other day I was watching a show on a Christian station, and um, there was a panel of preachers, and one of the preachers said he made this statement. He said uh, he said I like fear, and he said he said fear is good for people's lives. It keeps people on their toes, and I thought. I either need to listen to this with an open mind or shut it off so I don't get critical, right? <clears throat> and I mean and I, I I like the guy, you know, but I thought to myself, where is that coming from? You know, why would you say that fear is a good thing? Because the Bible's very clear that fear is destructive, you know. When we don't understand fear and we don't understand where fear came from, and we don't understand from its source why it came, then we don't know how to deal with it in our own lives. And so, you can think that, you know, well, you know, being, being afraid of something will keep something bad from happening to you. Now, don't raise your hand when I ask you this question, but how many in here are afraid of flying in an airplane? Don't raise your hand. Just think about it for a moment. <clears throat> okay, so, so if fear is not good and you're afraid of flying, then you should feel really bad for being afraid, right? No. You have to understand the difference. Um, I, I have a respect for the awesomeness of an airplane. I have a respect for An airplane versus bad weather versus certain elements that could not be right that would cause an airplane at 50,000 feet, you know, to take a nosedive. I have respect for that, but God doesn't want me to be afraid of it. If, If you're considering getting on a plane or maybe a small private plane and the weather's bad and and uh, they're saying, you know, it would be best that you not fly, you need to respect that. You need to respect the fact that the weather's not good. But I'm telling you, an airplane was created to fly. It wasn't created to take a nosedive. And all the technology, the, the technology we have today, you know, if, if the technology wasn't good and, and it was a... It was a 50-50 deal, you know? It was a hit and miss, and you, you, know, you, might, you might take a nosedive or you might not. I mean, you don't have to be afraid of that, but it would probably be a good idea not to put yourself in that position. But we don't have to be afraid. When, 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 I, was, when I was little, I can, I can actually almost see myself at about six or seven years old on the street that I grew up on for a little while. And I can remember my mother making this statement to me. Don't play in the street, or a car will run over you. I can remember her telling me that, thinking, oh my gosh, cars, instilling Actually, fear inside of me that a car is going to run over me and kill me. And, you know, bless my mom, she didn't know anything any different. And if you've ever done that, you know, I'm not being critical of it. I'm just saying, do we have to teach our children to be afraid of a car? No. No. Respect a car. Go to the edge of the street and take your little children and and teach them. You know what? This area right here is is not a good place to be. You don't need to be in the street. And this is why. Because of these things and because of these big vehicles. Teach little children to respect Big vehicles, because if you don't teach little children to respect the vehicles when they're little, when they get older, you know they think, well, I can drive 80 or 90 miles an hour in a 40 mile an hour speed limit and uh, speed zone, and nothing's going to happen. And that's not true. And and a lot of the things that we do in life, we either do we we either do with with no caution or concern or we do it in fear. So what? This is because in, our, in the society that we live in, that's the way we teach. People teach with fear. A car is going to kill you. No, it's not. If you never get in the street, the car will never run over you. If you never play in the street, there's no, there's no way that that car is going to overtake you. But you teach it from a right perspective. We don't have to teach fear. We don't have to teach fear. So, in this teaching in the next two Sundays after this, I believe that God wants all of us delivered of fear. God does not want you ruled by fear. He doesn't want you to make decisions in life through fear God wants us liberated from fear and if we're free from fear what kind of decisions and what kind of opportunities can come our way so let's start with Psalm 34 and the first four verses of Psalm 34 David says here I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth How often? It didn't say, his praise shall be in my mouth when everything's good. No, he said continually, all the time. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord, the humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Verse 4. I sought the Lord I sought the Lord and he heard me and did what? He delivered me from all of my fears. I sought the Lord and he heard me. In other words, I was drawn to God and he heard me. And when we get close to God, you know what there isn't? There isn't fear. David said I sought the Lord And the closer I got to God, the more my faith grew. The closer I got to God, I realized that He really cared about me and He really wanted me to be free from fear. I'm telling you today, it's the will of God that you and I be liberated totally from any type of fear in our life. And I believe one of of the key things that it takes to be liberated from fear is realizing where fear came from. We touched on it last week, and I want to look at the same passage that we started with last week, and then we want to jump into something else. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and we'll just kind of jump into it and start with verse 5. Here's... God's created man. He's created Eve from man. Um, He's put them in this awesome garden and He's told them everything is yours. Just don't mess with the fruit on that one tree. You you don't need that. Just don't even mess with it. And uh, God's created everything. God gave man the authority to name the animals. And uh, this animal that God created that man named comes to them in their presence and they're not afraid of this snake. Now I grew up in New Mexico and uh, I grew up with a golf club in my hand playing golf from the time I can remember. And uh, in New Mexico... In the desert, on, the go- on my dad's golf course, uh, there were a lot of rattlesnakes. A lot of them. A lot of rattlesnakes. Everywhere. When we played golf in the summertime, the snakes loved under the lip of the sand traps because it was nice and cool under there. So we'd, you might knock a ball in a sand trap and you walk in a sand trap and you hear this, this rattling going on underneath the lip. And uh, I, I learned at an early age, you're either gonna be afraid of those things and run away all the time, or you're gonna just confront them. Now I can tell you this, I had a respect for snakes, but even to this day, I'm not afraid of them. I don't like them, but I'm not afraid of them. I'm not afraid of snakes because when I was younger, I confronted the issue and, and we just we realized we realized that a nine iron to the head is quicker than its strike. And I'm telling you, we could take him out, and we did. We took him out, swing after swing after swing. Underneath the lip of that trap, and it took care of him. He really wasn't as bad as everybody said that he was. And he really, you won't find a rattlesnake in most situations, you know, like chasing you down. No, they'll coil... And they'll protect themselves, but they're not going to chase you down. They're they're, they're more afraid of you. They're afraid of you, but most people are more afraid of them when you don't have to be. You can respect them. Everybody say, I respect snakes. Okay. But you don't have to be afraid of snakes. Adam and Eve were not afraid of this snake because he just... You know, I've, I've heard a couple people say that at this point... Snakes had two feet, and they walked. And then, when God told him that he would, be, he would crawl in the dust of the earth, is when he went to crawling. But he walked on two feet. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but they were not afraid of the snake. Right? So verse 5 says, they're in conversation Verse 4 says, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, if, in other words, if you eat of this fruit, for God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing what? Good and evil. That's what God knew they didn't need to know. All they needed to know is that God was good, and everything was good, and everything had been given to them, and that's all they needed to know. They didn't need to know evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise she took of its fruit and he ate and she ate it and she also gave it to her Ahab husband with her and he ate then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked they knew that they were naked They knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They knew they were naked. And they heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, as they had known it before. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam, and he said to him, Where are you? like God didn't know where they were so he said I heard your voice in the garden and what there is the source of all fear all fear started right here the source of all fear was they were afraid what did they say on top of that they lied Says they were afraid, we were afraid because we were naked and we hid ourselves. That's not absolutely true. They were afraid because they were guilty, they sinned. They were afraid because they sinned, they went against God. They weren't afraid because they were naked. They were afraid because they allowed themselves to be uncovered through disobedience. And now, life, as they had known, had totally changed. And from that point on, all of humanity has experienced fear. Up to that point, it wasn't the will of God for fear to be in our lives. Everybody say, God, say fear is, fear is not good. Say, God didn't give me fear. What God gave us, according to 2 Timothy 1.7, God gave us, God didn't give us fear, but power and love and a sound and a well-balanced mind. That's what God has given us. So fear, if God hasn't given us fear, then we don't have to receive fear. And God, as the closer we get to God in the form of relationship, we'll be delivered of all fear. Fear shall not have dominion over our lives. That's the way that it should be. That's the way humanity should live and operate is that we're not people afraid of life or afraid of anything. There, there, are, you know, there are things <clears throat> that um, are real evident that you could be afraid of. You could be afraid of the dark. You could be afraid of somebody hurting you. You could be afraid of flying in an airplane. Those kind of things. But there are a lot of hidden fears that are the result of the decision that they made to disobey, that God wants really for us to see and to understand, so that we don't live our life disobeying. And and it's not about trying to be good enough, but it's receiving the power to make right decisions. And and being able to to challenge fear face-on and give it no opportunity to remain within our lives, it has to go. If God, haven't, if God has not given you and I fear, fear doesn't have the right to remain. It will remain if we allow it to. So I, I believe it's really, really important that not only that we understand the source of fear, which is right here, this is where all fear originated from. So when you get to heaven, you can thank Adam and Eve for that. But all fear originated from right here. But I'm going to show you in Scripture how we don't have to receive it. And it's not just about you trying to be good enough so fear can't remain. But it has to do with something else that is the key to you and you're in my victory over fear. Amen? So... um. I want to look in the book of Romans for a minute. And we're just I'm kinda right in the middle of this. I'm going to do a little a little bit of foundational teaching so I can get to my main point today. Um, So I want you to look at this verse, Romans six, and verse twenty three. Romans six and twenty-three. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin. So, if you... If you... If you work a specific job somewhere and you get a paycheck, and you work 40 hours and it's the end of the week, and however you get paid, whoever gives you your check, when you go in to get your check, or if it's you know, sent to you Automator or however, but if you go let's just say you went in and, and somebody handed you a check, and when they came in, <clears throat> they took the check, Let's just say this is the check, and they're going to hand this to you. And they say, you've worked worked 40 hours, and and, and so here I am bringing Dale his paycheck, okay? Dale, just from the goodness of our heart, we want to give you this gift. (laughs) Just because we're so good, we want to just, this week we just felt just overwhelmed to give you this check that is the equivalent of 40 hours, but it's just a gift from us. You'd think, what? No, 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 I worked. <laughs> I worked 40 hours and I want a paycheck. Right? Well, there's wages with sin. So when you work sin, you can expect to be paid. Adam and Eve worked sin, they disobeyed God, and the reason they were hid, the reason they were they had sewed together some fig leaves and covered themselves up. Why? Because they were guilty. And they were afraid. You know why? Well, one of the reasons that they are afraid is because most people don't understand the effects of sin. Most people are afraid of what God is going to do to them. Most people won't serve God because they're so afraid of God. Most people won't allow themselves to draw near to God as David did. He said he sought the Lord and God heard him and he delivered him of all of his fears. Most people think that, well, you know, I can't come before God because of all the bad things that I've done in life. See, they're guilty. See, when you're guilty, you won't come in faith. I was, in some of my scripture reading just that I do every day, I was reading this today and I, and I, and I, and I thought about this. It was in Matthew 17. And uh, it won't be on the screen, just, just follow me. This is, this is Jesus healing a, a little boy. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic. And suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not do that? Why could we not do that? You gave us authority to go and do this, and we came to this guy and we couldn't do it. Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus gave him one simple, short, four-word answer. Because of your unbelief. Because you didn't believe. In another place, Jesus said, how is it that you have such fear and that you have no faith? When you fear, you have no faith. When you're in fear, you're in unbelief. The reason they couldn't do this specific thing because of unbelief, which is a result of fear, which is a result of what? Guilt. I don't have a right, I can't do th- these things, I can't accomplish this. Maybe God would do something for Fabian because he's so good, but he won't do something for me because of this, that, or the other. And it's the guilt that keeps people in fear that keeps people from being able to receive what God has done. God gave his disciples authority. Why? Because God, the Father told him to. Give them authority to go out and do what you're doing. Just give, give, them a, you know, give them the beginnings of what this thing is going to look like. Why I came. Jesus came to the earth to become the Son of Man so that He could leave the anointing with us and we could do the things that He did. The one thing that Jesus was, is He was fearless. He had absolutely no fear, no intimidation, there was no guilt in him. He boldly went before the, 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 the Father, praying always to get insight and understanding about what he was to do on the earth. But he, he was never he was never intimidated to follow through and do what the Father told him to do. I say that one of the reasons that most people don't do what God intended for them to do is because of fear and because of guilt and because of shame. And because of feeling like the mistakes that they've made have disqualified them to be used in the kingdom of God. That's what I see. So Romans 13, over a few pages. Romans 13, and verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities... For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed for God. We're talking about every form of authority that there is. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment upon themselves. I'm going to read the third verse out of the Amplified. If you can put that up, I want, I want to read it. Um, For civil authorities are not a terror to people of good conduct, but to those of bad behavior. Would you have no dread of him who is in authority? Then do what is right, and you will receive his approval and commendation. Now I'm going to come back to that verse, but I want to read 4, 5, and 6. I'm going to read in the New King James. For he is God's minister... The people in authority, they're God's ministers. The policemen, the firemen, every person that's in authority are ministers of God. That's what it says right here. Did it say that? Yes. To you for good. But if you do evil, what? Be afraid. (laughs) For he does not bear the sword or the ticket book in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for what? For conscience sake. Everybody say conscience sake. Conscience sake. So, I, use, I think I used this example, I think I did last Sunday. Um, if you're... If you're... I've... My... my father lives in las cruces new mexico which is eight hours from here right on interstate 10 just over the texas border and uh, where i was raised and when you drive that way when you get past ozone it's 80 miles an hour speed limit is but about three hours later 80 seems like 50 and uh, the tendency is that your foot gets a little tired or the you know, the cruise control gets a little, you know, your foot. You know, who uses your foot out, out there? But your cruise gets a little, you know, you need to practice. You don't want it to get all like cobwebs in there, so you use it. Make it go a little faster and a little faster and a little faster and get up to 85 and 90 and 95 and maybe 100 or whatever. And when you're driving out there, and you might be driving too fast, and you see some lights come on behind you, all of a sudden, Something grabs you. Why? Because you know you're guilty. But if you're driving 80 miles an hour and you're going down the freeway and you're out there and, you know, you know that your inspection sticker's good and you know that there's not a worn out for your rest or whatever, you know, because you've done right or what, what, whatever's going on, you know that things are okay. You see lights behind you and you think, well, they must be going somewhere else because there's nothing wrong with me. Right? Why? Because you have confidence. And, and people in places of authority, they're there ultimately in what we're talking about today for your conscience. Because God said if you rebel against authorities, then you're rebelling against God. And rebellion is the same as witchcraft, and it doesn't produce good fruit. And the more you rebel from the smallest little area of authority or issue that has to do with authority, you know, like you might be at HEB, and out in the parking lot it says, please return your basket to here. Well, I'm busy. and you choose not to obey, you say, well, that's, that's not authority. Yeah, but the more you do that, what happens is it sears your conscience. See, the authorities in life, if you won't put a basket up, if you get pulled over by a cop, you're going to give them a hard time. I know by experience. My wife's kind of looking at me. You remember. You know, I've made a fool out of myself being mad at a cop for me going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit and him pulling me over and me being frustrated with him I hate to have to admit that but you might as well admit it but the Bible says I was angry with a minister of God it doesn't matter whether he's saved or not saved he's a minister of God because the scripture says so and he's a minister of God for my good To teach me how to do right and have the power to do right just because it's right, not because of red lights. There's something about developing that that liberates our life from fear. Most people in in situations where they're not submitted, I don't care what it is, it's because they think they know better. I'm going to say it again. It's because they think they know better. And to be afraid of having to make change it becomes the real root today that originated from Adam and Eve. I'm going to say it again. When, you, when you're afraid to make change in your life, to submit to something that you're asked to do that maybe you don't want to do, because true submission isn't until you have to do something that you don't want to do. I don't want to have to pay this ticket. I'm just going to ignore it. And then you'll ignore it, but in the back of your mind, this fear is going, you know what? I never paid that ticket two and a half years ago. I've heard that they put a warrant out for your arrest. (laughs) And so all of a sudden you get pulled over. Oh my God. Because you're guilty because you didn't want to submit to the change now who in here is good at submission if you tell me you're good at submission you're a liar <laughs> you're good at agreeing when there's no difficulty i've never met anybody that was good at submitting everybody just take a deep breath and say <sighs> i've never met anybody good at submission nobody why because we were born into this rebellious nature that wants to rebel every time something you're challenged to do something that you don't want to do. But, let me just tell you something. In Hebrews 10, actually in Hebrews 2 and then in 10 and we'll end with that. Hebrews 2 and verse 14. It says this. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, us, He Himself, Jesus, likewise, shared in the same that through death... He might destroy him, Satan, who had the power of death because of what Adam and Eve gave him, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to what? Bondage. Because of what? Fear. Fear of what? Not death like ceasing to exist, but death and life like separation from God, meaning that we fear that God can't do what he said he would do. That the devil convincing people that, God, that he was more real and what they saw and how they felt and the way things appeared to be was more real than the promises of God. And Jesus came to destroy that fear. All fear was removed and annihilated at Calvary. When he rose on the third day, he was with his disciples for 40 days. He taught them some more things. And then on the 40th day, they saw him leave. And he ascended upon high and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And the Father said, man, what a good work. What we just did for the last 33 years accomplished the redemption of humanity. And now humanity is liberated and free. And Jesus took on himself what you and I had partaken of in flesh and blood, and he destroyed fear, the fear of death, so that you and I would be liberated. And in Hebrews 10, in verse 14, it says this. You need to go meditate on this. I'm telling you, this, these five verses right here, you need to go meditate on these five verses. For by one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That's you and I. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after He had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days says the Lord watch this I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them and then he adds their sins their sins their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more now where there is remission of these there is no longer an offering for sin. So what he's saying here is he remembers our sins and our lawless deeds never again. The mistakes that we've made, he doesn't remember what Adam and Eve did. Praise the Lord. He doesn't remember that. So if he doesn't remember what Adam and Eve did, then he doesn't remember the mistakes that you've made. He doesn't remember anything because now, through the blood of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, He has liberated you and He set you free. Look at verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter in to the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us, draw near, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Having our conscience washed and clean and pure and spotless. What is the source of? Of all fear today, where you and I exist, it's in our conscience. The enemy trying to tell us we're not good enough. The enemy trying to tell us that you'll never receive from God. I'm telling you, I'm looking at a people in this church body right here that are receivers. Say, I'm a receiver. We're here to receive everything that God has done for us. We're here to be on the receiving end of every promise of God in the name of Jesus. Why? Because what he accomplished has liberated you and I, that we don't have to be afraid and we don't have to allow fear to bottle us up and keep us from receiving all that God has done for us. Amen? David sought God. He he drew near to God. And as he drew near to God, God heard him and delivered him of all of his fears. I'm telling you, the closer that you get to God, the more confidence that you have in God, when, when, when something is intimidating and voices start speaking to you to be afraid of something, what God wants you to do is to remember what the blood has done and how it's empowered you. And, it, and it's empowered you to overcome anything and to tackle and face fear head on. Not tolerate fear, not cope with fear, but to face it head on and give it no place to operate in your life. And I'm telling you, because of the blood, because of the blood, Our conscience now is free and liberated, not seared and hard and angry and frustrated and and in in this bondage. No, now we're liberated today. We are liberated people that are free from fear. And Romans 6 and verse 14 says, Sin shall not have dominion over me. And if sin doesn't have dominion over me, then fear shall not have dominion over me. Someone shout amen. Glory to God. If fear has no dominion, then the sins that we've committed have no dominion. And the only reason that the sins that we've committed have no power over us is because the blood of Jesus annihilated. He doesn't doesn't remember something that you do wrong. He doesn't remember it even before you do it. Because before the foundation of the world, Before the foundation of the world, and I don't understand this in my natural mind, but I believe it because the Word says it. All provision, all healing, all deliverance, everything that you ever need in life was provided for before the foundation of the world. So in other words, whatever you need today, whatever you're lacking today, it's already been provided for. And I'm telling you, fear and unbelief is out there working over time, to get you to not receive what rightfully belongs. But the blood of Jesus has delivered you. And we don't have to be faithless, unbelieving people. We are faith-filled, believing people, standing true to the Word of God and giving the devil no opportunity and giving fear and sin no opportunity to operate within our lives. Can you say amen to that?